What's up everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Whitetail Series and this is the beginning of the end. This is the start of the late season segment. We got 8, 9, 10 episodes coming out on the late season. If you're like me, you didn't kill in the pre-rut or the rut or the early season. Now we're on the late season and it can be a real grind, but at the same time, deer are still plentiful. Um, they're still active in daylight hours and it's arguably one of the best times to kill a mature deer just because there's so much scarcity around. So... Um, it should be, I've already had recorded a couple of these podcasts and they've been awesome, really helpful, very useful for me personally, and I hope they are for you as well. As always, this podcast has been sponsored by Onyx and Arrow Hunter Saddles. I really appreciate their support. So if you guys could show them some support, that would mean a lot to me. Um, Arrow Hunter Saddles, it's a tree saddle. Um, saddle hunting is a real, getting real popular right now. I use that saddle probably 50, 60% of the time. Um, I'm out when I'm out trying to be mobile, um, it's just so much easier than carrying a stand and sticks. It, it really is. I just put up four sticks and then I stand on the top stick and I'm ready to rock. Um, and you can pretty much get into a lot of different trees and it's just, it's a, it's a good system. If you're trying to be mobile and especially late season, you may need to be mobile because food sources will change. Bedding areas will change and you got it. You have to hunt the hot sign in late season. Um, cause it's, likely the only sign that you're going to find. So being mobile um, is very, very big in the late season. And uh, if you're ever looking into those saddles, look at Arrow Hunter saddles. As far as Onyx goes, you know, they're the GPS mapping app, show private public land boundaries. Uh, they give you waypoints, topo maps, hybrid maps, satellite maps. Um, you can track your distances, all sorts of things. I even use it for running when I go for runs. I'll just track where I go and it'll give me times and distance and all that stuff. So please go check out Onyx Maps and Arrow Hunter Saddles if you guys are in the market for either of those uh, categories. All right, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Deer Vane Podcast. Uh, and today I got John Lischek from Die Hard Bowhunter. And John's a pretty cool too, dude. We've been having a conversation here about sales and the construction industry, which is kind of what both of us do in a roundabout way. But uh, but anyway, John, tell me about tell me about Die Hard Bowhunter. Well, uh, you know, we're a, a group of guys, buddies, friends that are just. Uh, capturing our uh, experiences, documenting what we can, whether it's through uh, photo, uh, video, uh, in a creative way, and just sharing it with, you know, like-minded people celebrating the lifestyle of bow hunting. Um, it's a passion for all of us, certainly a, a long time passion of mine. Um, and so to be able to sit down and talk deer hunting with you, I appreciate you having me on. Oh yeah, for sure. About it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get going diving into this late season stuff. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, uh, for everybody listening, that'll kind of be the overall theme here. Um, have a few things. Cause a couple of your, a couple of the guys on your team, how many guys are on your, like your, your crew? Is it like yeah, five I mean, or six? It, you know, and, um, it's, it's been pretty fluid, but I think we've, we've got about, you know, five or six guys. No, not everyone. Um, it, it's it's pretty lackadaisical, you know. We're <laughs> we're not all out, you know, filming, or we're not all out, uh, you know, in a tree together. You know, we may be just kind of going out capturing uh, our hunts, whether it's just a photo, uh, or we might hop in a tree with a camera. Um, but we've had some success with with getting some uh, hunts on on film. You can check out our YouTube channel. There's some really cool hunts um, uh, on there. And, um, 
you know, one of my really good buddies, uh, Mike Parslow, uh, he shot two bucks this year, you know, filled both of his Michigan tags. And, and they were not small bucks either. No, man, they were, they were good deer for us, especially the second one he shot. Um, I think it was, I want to say it was the first or second week of November. Um, I think he gross or uh, green scored it around 150, 153. Nice. So, I mean, yeah. for Michigan, that's a, that's, that's a heck of a deal. <laughs> you know, um, you know, in other parts of the, the United States, uh, you know, like Iowa and, um, you know, those big buck states that might be average, but in Michigan, that's an impressive deer. And he got both those deer right in his backyard. He's got a 60 acre park, uh, parcel that he does a really good job of managing. Um, yeah. And he, he was able to have some really good luck. Nice. Yeah. No, I've, um, I posted up a question. I'll have to get him on because I posted up a question and, and had people ask me, um, to bring on the topic of small property management. And I think that's really relevant for a lot of people because not it's it's pretty rare that people have, you know, three, four hundred acres or something like that where they can yep. manage, you know, for themselves too. a lot of times, even if they're in that they're in it on a lease with, you know, eight other people or something. And everybody has their own idea of what should happen. Yeah. Um, if there's yeah, a guy we'll to talk that. about that, it, it would be him. I okay. mean, he's very passionate and, uh, you know, very knowledgeable. He does all the work himself um really good dude and and yeah yeah he's he's had some great success even in past seasons that i'm sure he'd be able to elaborate on okay cool yeah i'll have to talk to him about it but yeah i mean you guys have had that success um in your team which you know one of the other things that's just super helpful in the hunting industry and one of the reasons i think podcasts are so popular is it's hard to find a good group of dudes that you get along with and you can hunt with, but then also the hardest part is getting them to share information, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah. Everybody kind of holds, holds their cards close to their chest in the hunting world. So, you know, and, and the first time you meet someone and you talk to them, it's kind of like the first time you meet somebody out on public land or, or someone else who's coming in to hunt the property that you're on, like they bought into the lease or something like that. They're always, they're always like, yeah, so what's it like out here? You know, where are you hunting and stuff? And you're just kind of like, yeah, I'll give you 20% of the information. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think it's uh, uh, doing stuff like this with, with podcasts. It's, it's awesome that we're able to, you know, share information and strategies, tactics, you know, without saying like, hey, I hunted this tree over on this public land, you know, uh, you right. don't want to. Uh, give away too much information uh, but obviously uh, you know having stuff like this podcasts uh, YouTube videos uh, it certainly is helpful for guys that are just getting started or you know people with little experience that can kind of build you know build ideas uh, you know steal ideas so to speak uh, on what it takes to be successful so yeah yeah, I agree. And it seems like with COVID, there's been like a resurgence of guys who have like kind of dabbled in hunting for 20 or 30 years and they've never like really gone after it. And then with COVID, it's like, what the hell else am I going to do? I can't, I can't go out to the bars anymore and hang out with my buddies. And I can't all these, I can't go to all these sports games that I used to go to or these concerts or anything like all that stuff's closed down. So they're like, well, might as well figure out how to kill a deer. 
<laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's certainly, you know, beginning of the year, a lot of layoffs in Q1, Q2, and yeah. you just get people with more time on their hands uh, than obviously when they're, you know, if they're not working, they're able to go out and enjoy themselves. And bow hunting is a relatively inexpensive uh, uh, sport to pick up. Uh, if you just got some access to public land that you can go to and um, mess around out there, it's a little bit different than, you know, duck hunting. It's way more expensive duck hunting. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think this year, certainly COVID got a lot more people out into the woods, got a lot more tags bought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and it's good. And, and then it's bad because then you're you're more hunters the- more pressure right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and i i definitely agree like you know certain certain sports and certain things to pick up i mean hunting bow hunting it can be as expensive right you can drop 10 grand on it to getting started pretty easily if you bought all like first light or all sidka and then you buy you know flagship bow you know 300 sight 400 arrows you know dozen arrows all the broadheads like all that stuff but at the same time, same with duck hunting, you know, you could spend two, two grand on your, on your gun. And then you get, want to get a boat and you want to get waders and you got to get all these decoys and maybe you want a dog and yeah, it's a blind and all that stuff. It can, and a lot of times, you know, it's hard to find that piece of public for duck hunting as well to get into. Cause a lot of people have hunted it for years and they have their own blind set up. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So one of the other things is I, I do have a list of listener questions that I'd like to get to on this and just hear your thoughts on them. Um, I answered a bunch of them the other night on my last podcast, but I, uh, I didn't get to about eight of them and we'll, we'll touch on them. But first you and I still both have buck tags in our pocket. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about what your, the rest of your season's looking like your general plan that you're looking to, to execute. And then let's just go from there. Yeah. I mean, I would say high level, um, my season, it's been an interesting one up until this point, my Michigan lease. Um, <clears throat> we actually, my, my buddy shot a really good buck out of there. Um, we believe to be this deer about three and a half years old. And I think he'll score around the Pope and young, you know, one twenty five range. Nice. Um, so it's a, that's a good deer for that area. Um, I'm super happy, uh, for him. Um, but before that, uh, in, I think it was September, uh, or August, they started, um, on this piece of property, there was a utility company that put a gas line, like right down the middle of the, the property. And so they used eminent domain, they put in a gas line. So there's people back there driving around construction all this stuff and i was feeling like really bummed out i was i was not optimistic about this season <laughs> at all yeah. um but they got out of there you know around like the middle of october and we start we didn't dive in there right away we started hunting i think i was i think the first time we went in there was that that week and my buddy shot that buck the first day you know, we just stayed, yeah, just first, first sit. The best sit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, and that's what it was. And, um, you know, he, he went down uh, into an area that we don't, we stay out of pretty much the whole year. 
Uh, we call it the ditch stand. It's uh, basically a pinch point that sits, that kind of crosses a ditch and there's a little island where a lot of bucks bed. And um, he planted himself in there and, uh, you know, first, uh, first hour, you know, he, he put down a buck at like 10 yards, shot him at 10 yards and he ran like 60 and piled up. So nice. that, that was probably the highlight. Uh, and then after that, you know, I had a few encounters, um, achieved full draw, uh, probably two or two or three times, but just one reason or another couldn't make it happen. Um, so now I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you with still uh, you know, a buck, buck <laughs> in my pocket. And, um, I think, you know, w- one of the things that I have going for me is also in the middle of October is, uh, I picked up, um, Ohio lease and that, you know, their season, their archery season yeah. is probably no goes to the end of January. I think it's dips into February a little bit that first week. So, um, that's where I'm going to be focusing on is down is, in uh, Ohio. Yeah. In, in Ohio mainly. Um, and that, that lease is, is set up a little weird. There's not a whole lot of food. So I'm trying to navigate that and, and figure out what I'm, what I'm going to do there. Um, but that's like, where I'm going to be putting my main there's not food on the property itself, or there's not food like in the area. There, there's very little food in the area. Ah, okay. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's no food. Like I should say, there's no agriculture. There's no agriculture fields. Yeah. On the, on the property. On this oh, that's, of- that's actually, that's actually great for the podcast today. Not yeah. for you in general, but yeah. for the podcast. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Cause that was one of the questions that a, a listener wrote in on, which is, um, I don't have a lot of egg. How do I find the, the quote unquote food? Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you going to do about that? So um, it's, it, there's a couple things, I guess the first thing that I noticed, and this was obviously when earlier in the season, this um, property has quite a bit of oaks on it. And so we were, we've been targeting, you know, the acorns, how, you know, how much, and they were dropping like crazy and there's, okay. there's still, there's still quite a bit, not, a, not as much. Um, most of it's been consumed, I would say, just from my observation. And then obviously with the snow down there, got a pretty heavy snowfall. It's going to make them a little bit have to work for those acorns if they're still in there. Um, but I have noticed um, some browse that there's, it's really thick. I mean, this parcel got logged not too long ago. So there's okay. quite a bit of... Um, that red brush it's like do- that dogwood yeah that they're yep. like browsing on so um notice that they've been hitting that so food wise um now na- it's it's more natural food that we're finding however okay. um you know i i lease it with a couple other guys and you know this is this was really my first lease in ohio i haven't had um, you know, property down in, in this part of the region at all and not really familiar with it. And one of the guys that I lease with, his name's Brian. Um, he's already, you know, familiar with hunting deer in Ohio. He's had, he has a lease, uh, in Eastern Ohio and he's, you know, he suggested using bait. 
He suggested using certain bait sites to try and intercept them, you know, going from bed to these bait sites. So establishing these bait sites has been an initiative uh, that we've used to keep deer in the area. Sure. And I personally, you know, being a guy from Michigan, knowing, you know, being used to all the deer looking up in the trees for you. When you tell me to try and shoot a mature buck over bait, I just, I like kind of shrug and I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know if that's possible. Obviously you see it on TV all, all the time, but it's just hard for me to, to think about a mature buck walking out in broad daylight, you know? Yeah. Uh, I know, have a, to that end, I, I, I've talked to a few people that hunt over bait and um, they've, they've really said like, the initial bringing in of like the corn piles or whatever. And that's like baiting is, is like somewhat of a controversial topic. Anyway, there's people who are like, Oh, that's not even hunting. Like you're just going to walk in there and kill every booner in the woods. And, and my, like, I don't, I don't care about baiting at all. Like it doesn't bother me at all. If it's legal, Mm-hmm. it's all it's all about what like you want out of that hunt and are you gonna feel good about yourself if you do shoot a booner at, off a feeder you know like some people like my coworker, he's like i don't give a shit i'll shoot it with a muzzle loader a rifle a crossbow i'll hit it with my truck i just want a booner on my wall like <laughs> you know that's yeah. he's like he's like i don't care whereas whereas i'm a little bit it, i'm not like i'm not against the idea of baiting I have a friend who invited, who has a lease in Ohio. He's had it for two or three years now. He baits. He says, you have to bait. He's like, you got to bait because all the neighbors are baiting. So if you don't like, they're not going to be there. And he's like, it's, it's fine. And he asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go. Like, I'm, I'm totally cool with shooting deer over bait. Like it's still going to be meat and it's still a good deer. And he, what he said to me is, I said, do you actually just sit right on the feeder? And he said, no, not really there to the, the initial like bait sites, the first time you put them out and whatnot, if the deer aren't used to baiting in that area, then they might, they might come in in daylight and be like, oh man, this looks good, you know? And, and I've, and I will feel like that's the same for like, people think baiting is so easy because in states where it's illegal, like Wisconsin, I know people who where it's illegal to bait and they're like, yeah, I dumped a pile of corn out there. (laughs) Um, and I've, I've known people to do that and I hear about it as well. And, um, and they, they've shot deer near that. And it's like, I I feel like they're successful because no one else baits and baiting is not a thing. So the deer don't understand that that pile of corn is a pile of death. Right. Right. But in States where it is legal Mm -hmm. to bait, they understand that. They're like, yeah, if you go in there in daylight, you're probably going to get shot Yeah, <laughs> or you got to come from this direction. Cause this is where the guy always sits. So my friend who hunts Ohio and he hunts Wisconsin too. Um, my friend who hunts Ohio, he says that the mature deer aren't that you're not killing them at the bait site. They're getting to the bait site at night. Yeah. You got to get close to the bedding. You got to get close to the bedding and hope to God that they're headed to your bait that night, not the neighbors or somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like with baiting. um, I think it's all, you know, obviously where it's legal, you know, that's, that's where I think it's acceptable. And then, you know, if, if that's, 
if that's your means of being successful and, and able to, and, and really your only means of, of holding deer on that property, it's kind of like you have to, uh, even if you don't want to, uh, and that's not your quote unquote ideal hunt. Um, you know, if it's illegal or if it's legal to bait, uh, in that state and where you're hunting, I think that's something that you should definitely try and stack the odds in your favor. These things are already hard enough to kill. You know, it's like, yeah. And, and, you know, even with baiting in this, in this lease, it's been a cat and mouse game. Um, I've got, I, I'll send you trail cam pictures of some of the deer. Um, but this, uh, this really big crab claw buck, I jumped him 30 yards just bedded off this bait site. They'll bed right next to the, the bait, like 30 yards. And they'll just watch. He had the wind blowing into his face. And I was kind of coming off the side to where my stand was. And he had the wind blowing in his face. And he was not exactly facing the bait pile. He was just kind of offset. But he could still turn his head and see what was on the bait pile, whether there was does, you know, going in there. He could tend to those does. And he wasn't far from getting up and getting a snack. So I think yeah. those, those bigger bucks are using it that way. And it's all about trying to get it, you know, slip in there and when, you know, when they're, when they're in the area. So um, it's, it's definitely just cause you throw bait out on the ground. doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, uh, especially with a bow. Right. Yeah, man. And I, I, to, to that point, I, I would imagine that, you know, killing a mature deer around bait and I know baiting legal in Kansas as well is another big state where people bait a lot. Um, and I, I, there's a lot of States where, where it's legal to bait. It's just Michigan and Wisconsin. It's not right. right. So, yeah. well, there's, I think there might be portions of Wisconsin. I don't know, not where I hunt. It's hundred yeah. percent illegal where I hunt. Um, but, uh, but I feel like it's, you can't, you, you can apply a lot, but you can't apply everything you, you learn from other states to states where they bait. And you can't apply baiting state knowledge to states where they don't bait. Cause like you're saying, the deer just act differently. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, you're not going to, you might find some, some cases you'll find a deer next to a food plot that just beds there and just watches that food plot. And then when you're walking in, they can get up and take off. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I feel like it's a little, it's a little bit different because it's such a, my friend, a friend of mine calls food plots, bait plots. He goes, Oh, you guys going to plant, plant some bait plots this year. He goes, there ain't much difference, you know, than <laughs> if, if in a pile of corn and a, in a quarter acre of clover, like what the hell he's like, it's not no different, but it's hundred percent legal to do that. Yeah. And my, my argument is like, well, I feel like it is a little bit different because it's not like, you know, in a five foot area, but at the same time, and, and you can't just refill a clover fl- plot. Right. Right. Once right. It's, gone, yeah. it's pretty much gone. Yeah. You got to wait for yep. it to grow. But, uh, but, but yeah, that, that was kind of my only two arguments to that. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different, um, in that sense. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, so anyway, you have, you have these bait sites and 
you just did you just establish them this year? Is this like a totally brand new lease for brand everybody? Yeah, for 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 everyone. And um, and like I said, we came in on this October fifteenth, and um, I I had to just you know scout using Google uh, on X and just kind of get an idea of the the terrain and pick some spots out that looked good and then mostly just when I wasn't hunting I was trying to dive into an area that and scout it that I you know wanted to find out more about and gather as much information as I could um, about the deer movement how they use this there's no shortage of cover down there (laughs) that's for (laughs) sure I mean it is it is uh super thick and um you know, so we were, we were pretty successful in, in finding some of the natural food right away. It wasn't hard. There, there is a actual, uh, uh, there's an, there's a ridge, a really big ridge with a ton of oaks on it. That part of the farm is, it was, or that parcel is more centralized. So, which is nice where you have that food, those acorns dropping in the yeah. center of the piece. And it kind of sucks those deer into the the core of the property. And then, you know, from there, you can just kind of hunt the fringes, you know, yeah. hunt around or, or even right, right on that, that natural food source. So um, have you run cameras on that food source on yeah, acorns? Uh, yeah. On you the, find them, hitting them a lot. Yeah. They, they were a lot of the sign actually, that was probably before we even put cameras out there right away you could see you know rubs scrapes on this oak ridge and pretty much where all these acorns were dropping is where you saw the majority of the sign in other places where there was no acorns uh, uh, you know nothing like no uh, natural browse there was hardly any sign at all so you can kind of tell okay these are where the majority of the deer are going to be hanging out those bucks are are rubbing on trees, scraping, getting ruddy while all these does are feeding on this oak ridge. And um, that that's kind of how we were able to identify some of the hot spots early on. But um, again, it's, it was, it's so thick. I mean, you, some of these deep ravines, they just get it, you know, flooded with uh, what it's autumn olive, um, you know, the, the dogwood, it just gets so thick down in there. It's hard to, to pull them out of that. I mean, they're one bound away from being able to disappear. So yeah, that's, that's been one struggle, but yeah, finding, finding the deer, um, our first initiative was trying to find that natural food first. Yeah. So then this late season, um, are you just, what are you thinking? Are you going to be on those acorns or are you going to be on, on the bait stations or what are you thinking you're going to be doing? Probably more of the bait stations. I mean, yeah. I, a, a, this parcel doesn't have any food around it except for maybe some hay fields that might have, you know, some clover, some natural clover left over, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to be targeting some of the you know, areas that are trying and set up spots that, you know, are either, you know, transition from bedding areas where we know they're bedded to a bait site 
or, you know, a large bait site that we've set up. Um, actually my, one of my buddies that's leasing with me is down there right now, setting up uh, a feeder and, you know, getting that established and hopefully bringing the deer into this area. Uh, because there was a period of time, like right after, it was right after Thanksgiving, like a week or two after Thanksgiving, where we just didn't have bait out there and the trail cameras just go dead. You know, nothing, no, it's just a ghost town. And got it. Know, They're over at the neighbors. They, they are. Yeah. Where, wherever there's food, you know, <laughs> right. Wherever they've got, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, food plots or they've got, they've got bait sites going. Um, we actually talked to one of the neighbors. Uh, we went down there and visited um, one of the guys to the south, and you know he's he's a big hunter. He's got bait sites. He's got he's got some food plots and micro plots out there. So I'm sure they're they're visiting and frequenting his property. So right now it's it's we're trying to focus on getting them back on uh, on our side. Yeah, yeah. Let him do all the raising, and you do the killing. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> something like that. That'd be good. Um, yeah, no, that'd be a good, that'd be a good in those small, like small property tactics. Like that is one of those things that I want to cover is like how to get deer onto your property or how to kill deer that might not live on your property. Right. And I know mm -hmm. I, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked to a guy named Nick Swanson, who was uh, his neighbor owns 15 acres, ended up killing a buck that was mainly on his property. He would get it all the time and it scored 173. And one day he didn't go out hunting it. Um, it was, he went out to dinner with his wife or something like that. And uh, he decided not to hunt that night. And then that night his neighbor got off work early, went out there and shot it 10 yards oh, off the fence line, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, yeah, it's just one of those, one of those things that can certainly happen. Right. Yep. Um, so you, you mentioned, uh, quick, real quick, how big is the lease? Have, I don't know if we've said that. About, um, it's, it's broken up, but it's about, uh, it's about 130 acres, a little over 130 acres. Okay. And how many guys do you guys, do you have on it? Three right now. Three. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, which is a pretty, I mean, that's certainly a good, uh, low, a low number, especially if all three of you communicate and you know what, what you're doing and how to do it. Yeah. Um, so then your, I mean, your main objective now is to get between the bed and the food, mm -hmm. right? Which I think it, regardless of if you're baiting or you have a food plot or you have an agriculture field, I think it's pretty, pretty similar. I mean, you're, I, you're I trying so. to find the bedding and you're trying yeah. to cut them between the food. The, another thing with, even if you are hunting egg fields right now or food plots, a lot of times those deer aren't coming from 18 different trails out in there. They're coming from a select few, right? They know what trails kind of are safe. They know what trails they like to enter that field in on and leave that field in on. And so, and same with bait sites. I, I think that's very, that's probably very similar, you know? Um, Cause you're, so you're still hunting a travel route from one to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, and you could, I mean, there have been, I've had food plots where deer bed 20 yards off the plot you know, um, right up on a ridge or something like that. And they just watch the plot. And then as yep. you walk in, there they go. Yep. <laughs> you know, so you got to get creative with your entry and edge exit route when they start doing that, or you yep. got to trim that shit out. So that's so open. They don't want to bed there. 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and that's what ha- that's what I was kind of explaining earlier. That's what happened to me. It was, I was, I was shocked first off. And, you know, this deer was massive. You know, I, I would guess him to be, you know, one fifties and, um, he just, he just, he didn't even like jolt out of there. You know, he just kind of like, he kind of slowly kind of sauntered up, just, just slowly got up. And he was, it was almost like, he was like, Oh my gosh, this, what an annoyance, this human trying to kill me. You know, he's like, God, this guy's a rookie, you know, he just kind of stood up and sauntered away. You know, he didn't bolt out of there or blow or anything. And it was like, man, you know, how many times uh, has this happened? So, you know, my, my strategy and it's as crazy as I, I think it is. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other guys that have tried crazier stuff, but I'm actually trying to keep the stands like close to the road and close to like the, the entry point into the woods as I can without, you know, without like diving in further because of how thick this property is and where I think they're bedding, which is not far from where these sites are, you know, I'm trying to be between them, but not disturb that bedding area as much. And I, I, I don't know if it's going to work or not. I still have to figure that out. You know, hopefully yeah. the next weeks uh, I have some success, but um I think trying to get as close as you can to where you think they're bedding and, and, but, you know, between that, you know, bed and food on a, on a travel route that they're going to be using is going to be your best bet at this point. I, at least that's, that's what I've got written on on paper. So I don't know if it's going to work, but that's what everybody seems to be telling me that's going to work. So we'll see. You got it. Yeah. Uh, You got to hope the, so then when you initially got to that property, you started scouting one of the, one of the things that's hard, that's hard for people in, in general, um, is understanding where deer bed, like, and learning that, how did you, how did you scout and what, what did you, what triggered your brain to go? This is where I think they're betting. I think, uh, on a lot of the, um, South facing slopes, because these deer and and you know doe groups just like to be on that warm side of that uh, with the sun coming up it's typically uh during the day you know favoring the southern facing slopes um so you'll see a lot of deer beds on those south facing slopes and i've always just looked for those any fingers that are um or you know bedding areas that have that south facing you're going to find deer sign you're going to find beds um so i look there and that's where i've i found the majority of the beds especially so you're actually and you're actually finding beds yeah and okay and so when you right when you now, scouted you you like went right in there you didn't you didn't stop on the edge and go i i well, it's pretty thick. I think this is where they bed. You're right in there looking at it. Like there's a bed, there's a bed, there's a bed. So it's yeah. like concrete evidence. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, right. and you'll, you, when you're finding, when you're finding beds, I mean, you, you'll, you'll see like the leaves are, are super matted. You'll see that the, that they're pressed 
compressed. And then you'll see, you know, oftentimes, you know, find deer hair in there if it's fresh enough. Um, and if you see one, look for two or three others, because if there's a doe bed or a doe group bed, you know, they, they bed near each other and often facing different directions. So you'll, you'll know kind of a, a right away if it's a doe group bed. And um, yeah, and, and the south facing slopes is when I, I find the most beds. Uh, so the, that, that's the area that I, I can kind of deem, okay, you know, they're going to go there um, during the, uh, you know, after they're done feeding or doing whatever during the night, they're going to go there and, and bed there for the midday uh, during the day. And, and I, I kind of pegged those areas as bedding areas. So setting up between that point um, and, the, and the food is hopefully something that's going to pan out for me. Yeah. Uh, so then are they going, if they're on South facing slopes, are the, the, the bait stations that you're hunting, are they up above them? Are they coming up to those or are they going down the hill or are they just traveling like side hill? Um, <clears throat> one of the sites would be traveling side hill. Um, so, so they're not, they're not changing elevation too much. The other site would be pretty much level, pretty much on the same elevation. You know, we, we're not setting these sites, um, down in ravines, you know, it's not a, you know, we're not putting it in the bottom of a creek ravine. Um, we're, we're trying to keep the, the sites closer to the top you know, closer to the top of these fingers, um, you know, I, that way, that way we're not, you know, when you go into bait them, first off, it's a pretty short, you know, when you're carrying 50 pounds, you know, I got to huff these in. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't have a four-wheeler, at least not yet. I'll bring a four-wheeler <laughs> down there. All right. You know, I'm huffing these in 50 pound bags, sometimes hundred pound bags. So you huff them in and then, also the disturbance you don't want to dive into you know walk past like two or three bedding areas and you're blowing deer out so right um, yeah it's it's those things that initially we didn't we didn't really think about because we didn't know exactly where all the deer were were bedding and and quite honestly didn't really know a whole lot about the deer density and how many deer were out there sure um, and that's where that's where the trail cam pictures or the trail cameras um you know, really helped us out, kind of gave us an idea of the ratio, buck to doe ratio and the, the population, the deer density that was down there. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's an important uh, point to make and something a lot of people need to think about. And I need to think about as well is even with food plots it's and cameras, it's how little of disturbance can you make? Right. When you're going into if, if you need to spray your food plot with some pesticide or or you're going in there and tilling it all up and everything um, and planting it and you want to go check on it. Maybe you have two cameras on the plot. Maybe you have a camera on your bait station. Like how how little impact can I have on this area yet still have the area be effective to hunt? Right. Like that's that's that cross section that you want to get to. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's the hard, that's the hard part, you know, and, and with bait stations, one of the nice things is you'll probably be able to move that around over the years until you figure out exactly where that thing needs to go. Yep. 
Um, yeah, we've we've moved yeah. it actually to bait sites uh, a few times where we were first off we were putting it in in the center of one of these uh, one of this section, and we were like first off that's a long haul, second off this isn't this isn't good because we're passing through all these doe bedding areas and blowing deer out when we're trying to bait or even trying to enter in and, um, you know, hunt, hunt near these bait sites. So it's a, it does take time. It's not like you're going to know right, right where to, to set these bait sites at. You're going to have to move them around. You're going to mess up. And, um, and when really all, all you have to work with is, you know, bait sites, it, it's not, you know, it's going to take time. You're going to have to just move things around. And that's, what's easy about, you know, baiting is you can move things around. Whereas with food plot, that's more of like a, you know, permanent, uh, site food site or food source. Yeah. So, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Put, you put a lot of effort. So that's one of my things is, is this next year, um, I'll be putting in food plots onto my property. Um, I'm going to enjoy, I know I'm going to enjoy the process and the experimentation of it. Um, I, I'm not so looking forward to the failure of it in the sense of putting it in the wrong spot. And maybe I put it in the wrong spot and all it's so close to the bedding, the deer don't need to go anywhere. Yeah. So they'll just lay in their bed all day and wait till nightfall and then just walk over and go there. Right. Yep. So I, I'm not looking forward to that failure of it. Cause you put so much effort in to get them established in the first place. And then if it's really bad, you just gotta, okay, well, that one's done. Don't plant that next year. Yep. yep. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to it for the, the reasons of, you know, if you can manipulate your property, be as like Jeff Sturgis, I watch a lot of his videos and, yep. and, um, hope to, hope to meet him here soon this summer. I was going to try to get him on the podcast, but, uh, talk to him about being like the herd influencer, um, of an area, you know, mm -hmm. and start being able to hold, hold deer. Even we have a hundred acres, um, and you guys are hunting that one thirty, So you could, you know, hold deer on that one thirty, and they could spend, you know, 70, 80% of their time on your property. It's not unfeasible if That's, they have the food yeah. and you have the bed and you don't have the pressure, like, that is yeah. the, that's going to be the goal. I, you know, the guy I lease with Brian um, is, is talking about putting in food plots next year. There's certainly not a lack of bedding, certainly not a lack of, of cover for them. Um, it's just kind of breaking up that cover and, and putting in, you know, just, just some small clover pot plots that will yeah. get them moving through the area, breaking sure. up that the, the, I guess, terrain features so to speak and getting them points of interest where there's food yeah. um, even if it's even if it's minuscule you know a small kill plot could do could bring in uh you know a lot of deer and have them visit especially during the rut so that's that's going to be on the docket for the the spring and summer but um as of right now i'm i'm using bait <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it reminded me, I talked to, um, identical draw those, those two brothers. Um, yeah. I talked to, I talked to them earlier this year and they have soybean food plots, um, decent size one. I think it was like five to 10 acres, something like that. And they have bait on them as well. Um, okay. 
And like they were saying that essentially like if it, if a, an angry or aggressive doe or an angry or aggressive big buck gets on that bait, they can keep all the other deer off of it. You know, they'll, they'll just intimidate all those other deer off. Yeah. And, and then that feeder is kind of just like, it's done except for that mature doe or that mature buck And that mature buck might not be the one that's the, that's the biggest one on the area. He might just be the most dominant. That's right? He just booted, he just booted your other, you know, your bigger buck, but not as dominant off your property somewhere else. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, we've been, we've had like these Spartan cameras on, on these bait sites and you'll see when, when one buck move starts using that bait site more and more, these other bucks, they, they like, they just don't go anywhere near it. And, and even on, on the, on video, you can see them kind of just cowering away from these bigger deer and, and one in particular is this big nine point. He just kind of, you know, pushes these other smaller bucks around and that's, it's interesting to see, but yeah, I, I can, yeah. I can definitely uh, relate to, to what they've, what they've experienced with their bait sites. That's something that I've noticed. So then with your, that, then that's a two questions. I want to get, I'll, I'll, we'll do the trail camera question first yeah. is, have you been noticing that the mature deer are only coming in not like at night nocturnal yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I would i would say i mean i have daylight photos of them and even not even showing up um you know we set up some trail cameras on uh you know some used trails there's a two track that um starts going down a uh, um a ravine that we put a vine over and i got some some good video of that um, but you know, we've, we've gotten daylight photos and video of these bucks, mature bucks, but, um, we are noticing that they're showing up a lot more at night and that they're kind of just, they're planting their bedding right by these bait sites, getting up, feeding, get, you know, um, every, you know, hour or so. And then, you know, when light comes, they just like use their big buck magic and disappear. <laughs> that's, that, uh, that's been kind of how the the you know we spent a week down there during the rut and we were getting all these you know we got quite a bit of daylight uh video of some of these mature bucks and when we went down there i'm kind of scratching my head like man where where are these where are these bucks at i'm not even hearing them and or, or you know seeing them chase but um they did uh you know, as the season progressed, start to get more nocturnal, um, you know, in that area, there are, uh, there are guys that, that, you know, gun hunt, I think it's like that, it's like that first week of December, uh, when gun season starts. So they um, gun hunt that lease, uh, around it, like okay. in the surrounding area, gotcha. it's sure. just with surrounding pressure. Um, you know, so so those deer aren't you know completely protected or they don't yeah it's not low pressure uh they do get some gun pressure um but yeah it, it's uh it'll be interesting to see i i think or at least i'm hoping and and our trail cameras are kind of telling us this now you know anytime that there's a heavy snowfall or a, a temperature drop a significant temperature drop 
these deer are starting to show up more. These bucks are showing up more um, during the daylight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So snow and are, are those Spartan cameras? Are they cell cameras? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and that's gotta be, that's gotta be key for driving from Michigan to Ohio is like, you know, are they there or not? That's pretty nice to know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have one before. Um, and the guy I'm leasing with, he, he, he like brought down two and I was instantly sold. Like I, I, before this, I, this lease, I haven't really used cell cameras. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't, I didn't buy into the hype of them just yet. I was still, I'm you know, still using like mole trees. I'll set them out and check them every now and then. Um, but man, this, those Spartan cameras are nice. They're cool. Oh, I bet. And, and uh, being, you know, in Michigan and not able to check it periodically, um, it really helps with intel on deer movement for sure. Yeah. And to, and, to, and to see those patterns too, or be able to predict them, right? It's 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 one thing to get to get the information after it happens, like oh, there was a big buck there last night. I guess I should have been hunting, right? Yeah. But but to understand the pattern to say oh shit, yeah, I got a temperature drop in four days. I need to be down there. Yep. Right. That's that's where they get really effective and very helpful because with a normal trail camera right? You're checking them every, I don't know, three to four weeks. And then you're going back and you've already, maybe there was a pattern a week ago or to, or at the beginning of that four weeks. Right. And, and now the pattern's already changed by the time you check the camera. So like going after that anyway, it won't matter. Yeah. Um, yep. No, I, I think but, you're right. And that's, that's even like doc, kind of documenting or, or, you know, I, I, I've started to save like these photos and put them in a file and, and kind of making notes as to as as far as what the temperature was or what the weather was like during that time period because you're going to take that information and you're going to use it for next season yeah and you know next season you you can you know deer are pretty habitual creatures i mean if they're going to be in the same area during the same time with similar weather patterns you know, they might visit that same doe bedding area or they might be in and around that same bait site that you had established and you got trail cam pictures of him showing up during, you know, November 3rd through the 7th or what have you. So ha kind of collecting that information is something I, I really focused on doing this year and hopefully, you know, next year um, it'll pay off. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I want to, I just want to like nail this into people's heads who are listening is that this same tactics, if you're sitting there, like listening to this podcast being like, yeah, but it's fucking bait. Like I can't bait. Right. These same tactics are a hundred percent transferable. They, they still apply, you know, trail cameras on a food source and understanding where those deer are coming to and from that food source. That is another big one for the trail for the positioning of the trail camera. It's not good enough to just throw it on the food source. You need to throw it on the food source with an additional piece to it of, of say a trail or a scrape. Like you need to combine those two so that you can say, okay, I have the camera on the food source and 
and they're using this trail. You can, you can knock out both those birds with one stone, I guess, rather yeah. than just having it on the food. Be like, okay, they're using this food source. Now I got to move the camera to figure out what trail they're using. Like yeah. at least, at least start on a trail and the food source, combine those two or a scrape and a food source. Yeah. So start. Yeah. And it. I guess to add to that, um, I mean, if you had to, if you had to take away baiting, uh, let's say, you know, with Michigan, my lease in Michigan, um, I actually have a, uh, the, the lease that I hunt in Michigan is in Oakland County. And, um, in that County, you can hunt with a bow, uh, both species, uh, or species, I'm sorry, <laughs> or buck, um, till the end of January. So you have like this whole, um, extra month that yeah. the rest of the state doesn't, doesn't get, uh, uh, to hunt you have this whole month of bow hunting to do and if you can't bait um, and you're hunting in january late season i would say look on a map where you know deer are bedded or where you know maybe a, a buck's better uh, if, if you found that earlier in the season look at a bedding area and see where the surrounding food is that might not be on your parcel that might not be on your land look at where the food is outside of that and just know that or you know estimate that these deer are going to go to those food sources and try and set up between that bedding area and that food source that's you know on your property and we've had deer that you know We've had deer traveling from a bedding area that's about three quarters of a mile away from a food source. You know, they're traveling really far from bed to food. So if you know where those bedding areas are, just try and hunt near those. And, and they got to get up at some point. And the further they are away, the earlier they might get up before dark and, and you might catch one. So that would, yeah. be, that would be one thing I would say for guys who aren't able to bait. Right. And that's actually a video I, I posted tonight, <laughs> which nice. is, which is don't, don't rule out your property just because you don't have food on your property. Yeah. Right? A lot of the public land I hunt around here doesn't have egg on it, but all the surrounding private property does those deer got to live somewhere. Yeah. If, if the surroundings all egg and they just have like little fence rows of trees or little, little tiny chunks with, with some cover that that usually won't hold deer, they'll go somewhere else. And, and you just need to figure out where you can hunt them in that transition. Exactly how you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what, that's where I've been. I haven't been able to knock down um, a good buck in late season on the public, but I have had plenty of opportunities at does doing that. Um, and I think those finding those big boxes just, they've eluded me so far. Um, and it's, you know, and every year I've kind of key in on, all right, here's a food source. And I like to wait till there's snow on the ground and there's a full moon and you can just go out there and you can see everything. Like if, if there's deer there or not. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I go and drive around and find, find what field they're using that year. Cause the fields change every year, right. From crop or from corn to soy to, to winter wheat. There's a lot of winter wheat this year. Um, but figure out which field they like to use. And then 
kind of just pull up on X and be like, all right, where do I think you're bedding that I might be able to kill you? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And, and like you were saying as well, is that, um, those, uh, those deer, they'll, they'll, they'll concentrate onto a food source. Like, so, so it'll pull deer from, you know, all over miles away, if that's the good food source. So if you don't have that food source on your property, are you able to develop bedding that they would like to use to go to that food source, you know, and can you hunt that? You know, that's, you have to have one of those elements. I mean, you might be able to just be a pass through and maybe you're lucky enough that your neighbor has the bedding and then they pass through your property to get to the food on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's, that's entirely possible as well. I think it's, yeah, like, like you're saying, and I think you find that out by looking, you know, at Onyx or or Google um, and you just look at, okay, where's the food. And then you might have to drive around and see if, you know, say the, there's a farmer who's got a crop field that you think the deer are visiting. Is that food still standing? Is it, is it up? Um, you know, could they, could they be frequenting uh, that area and then just see how they, how they are traveling to that food source and try and figure out a way to kill them. Uh, yeah. You know, if it, if your property is in and around that, the closer it is, the better, but um, you know, like I said, I think the, the general, and like you're saying as well, um, the general thesis is try and find the food and, and hunt it. Yeah. The, uh, the other big thing that I used to do like 10, <laughs> 10 years ago or so, I kind of got out of this like seven, eight years ago, which was like, I can't, I, I can't force a spot, uh, a piece of public or a piece of private to be good in the late season. Like if you go out and scout the piece that you like to hunt and you go out and scout it and there ain't a track out there, you, you can't, you can't make the deer be there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, there is no food in the area. There isn't any good bedding. Maybe it was good during the rut and you saw some great deer, but you go out there after it snows three days after it snows and there ain't a damn track. You need to find a new property. Yeah. Like yeah. you need to look at Google or look at Onyx and find a piece of public that butts up to some egg, whether it's 15 minutes or an hour and a half, if you still want to hunt, like you got to be willing to travel to a property that's actually going to hold deer in the late season. Some properties just don't like deer get concentrated so much. Um, into your, like your, your piece in Ohio, you have all that browse. So even without, uh, the bait, you may still have great deer densities and, and deer may still use that property because you have all the browse. And, and what we're talking about for browse people who don't know is just leafy vegetation that stays green pretty much year round. So there's a, there's a whole host of, of uh, plant species that'll stay green year round and it'll have, you know, little things to, to munch on and twigs and things like that, that the deer will eat. Um, but obviously the, the prime is, you know, an ag field. Of some sort. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. yeah, don't be afraid to to pick up and and move shop an hour and a half, you know, and and go scout it. Like, so yeah, there was one piece that I used to hunt. It was forty five minutes away. The piece that I generally hunted was fifteen minutes away, and then it just the egg field one year. And then what opened my eyes to it is one year the dude spread shit all over it in like mid December and. <laughs> 
And it was just, no, at that point it was like, it didn't matter. You know, he chopped all the corn and then he, he didn't pick it. He chopped it and then he spread shit on it. And there ain't one, one, a deer track in the area. Mm. So I, I moved and I had, what I did the first day was I just left at like 10 AM and I scouted that pretty much that whole day and just set up that night and, and found a spot. And I ended up seeing some does as I remember it, but then over the next, you know, a couple of weeks, I went back there and I just kind of repositioned myself and repositioned myself. And I never got a chance at a good buck there. Um, I, I remember seeing a couple of like a, a small eight and a small six um, in range and in a few does, but, um, but that's just how it goes, you know, for, for the first time and trying to hunt a property in three, four weeks at the time, I was kind of pissed that I wasn't successful. Uh, but looking back on it, I, I was, I'm pretty happy that I was even able to, to get that chance within. And was that, was that public that property before? Was that public ground? Yeah. 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 And it just, it butted up to, it butted up to private egg. Yeah. And so I just walked the line between the public and the private egg. I just walked that field edge and found tracks and then followed that back in. Um, and then just started setting up going backwards like that. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, late season finding deer on public ground, that's pretty impressive. So <laughs> I mean, it was, well, like, you know, the other nice thing a lot of people have going for late season hunters is everybody's already given up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if, and especially so like in Wisconsin, um, I, I have a bone to pick with this thing they call the holiday hunt. Um, which we have going on, I think it starts tomorrow. So we have another, we have our original rifle season for nine days. We have a youth hunt. That's I think a weekend. And then we have our rifle season. That's nine days. And then we have muzzle loader. That's another seven to nine days. And then we have a doe only, which is four days. And now we have a holiday hunt, which is another, I don't know, five or six days from Christmas to new year, um, where people can get out and hunt with a rifle. And I like, it's, it's cool and whatever, but if you're late season hunting and your season end January, ends January 6th, which is most of the state kind of sucks. Cause then yeah. you're like, you know, now you're fighting gun hunters for the last um, little yeah. bit of season. Yeah. But where I'm at, we have the County that I'm in. Um, it runs till January 31st. So, oh. so yeah. we have another month as well. Nice. But, um, but in that, that time that, people don't like hunting when it's 15 degrees out, you know, people don't yeah. like hunting when it's 10 degrees out, 20 degrees yeah. out. Windy. So it really keeps, I mean, and you don't have to fight squirrel hunters anymore. Cause they don't want to be out there. You don't have to fight pheasant hunters. You don't have to fight, you know, rabbit hunters really for the most part. I actually, you know, who I find myself fighting the most around here is actually uh coyote coyote hunters that run uh, dogs. Yeah. I can see that. There's a lot of them around here. And, um, and it's pretty cool to say, like, honestly, I've been in the tree stand and seen them come through and it kind of sucks at the time, but you're like, ah, that's actually pretty cool. I hope they kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my biggest tip or thought for those, those guys who are having struggling late season and they don't find deer, like you gotta be willing to pick up and move shop. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So was there anything you wanted, anything other, anything else you thought was pretty unique about either your Michigan or Ohio property that, or, or a tip or something that you could put out to people for late season? 
I do. I have a few questions here from listeners that I kind of want to touch on. Um, but, uh, but before that, I want to finish up our combo. No, I, I mean, just, I guess, overall wrapping up kind of what we discussed, um, you, you've got to be able to, if, if you want to be successful, what, you know, just killing deer in general, I think at this time of year, you've got to have and hunt food in one way or the other. Um, whether that's, if it's legal by, you know, bait, or if you've got a, a late season food plot that you've established, or it's your neighbor's cornfield that you're trying to hunt around. Uh, food's going to be kind of like that focal point and, and your main focus for trying to, to, to harvest deer. Cause they're, they're going to where the food is. They're trying to fill their belly and stay warm. And, um, cause winter can be tough on these deer and, you know, how they pack on the fat and how they pack on the, the warmth for themselves is, is really just, you know, food, keeping uh, corn in the belly. So they're going to be they're going to be in and around that. And if there's any, anything I could give to, to your viewers and, and listeners is, you know, try and try and hunt the food strategically. All right. Awesome. Solid advice. So popping into a couple of these questions. All right. Um, and this is, this is a good one with your Spartan cameras are, are the bucks you see on trail camera this time of year, from a different home range. So are you getting new bucks on your property in late season? <clears throat> Not that, you know, with, um, with Ohio, um, we haven't, honestly, the, the bucks that we've been getting have been the same, probably four, three or four bucks. Um, ranging from three and a half to I think four and a half years old, kind of the same group of, of bachelors have been hanging around this area. I haven't really seen like new bucks ranging out. And for the Michigan lease, it's kind of, kind of hard to say. Cause right now, as we speak, uh, I've got a spy point out there, but um, right now that whole Northern section to add to all the, the issues um it's being logged right now so yeah <laughs> i gotta work around that for for, for uh, the remainder of the season oh man uh, they're taking out 243 trees so dang yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's gonna That's be a, a challenge but um no i wouldn't say that i'm i'm seeing uh new bucks come into the area okay yeah for me for my personal um, experience. I, I haven't checked my trail cameras since Thanksgiving. So it's almost been a month, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I do have one, I do have one cell cam that, uh, that I bought my dad for father's day and he set up on the driveway cause we're building a, a shed house. Um, uh, we call it a shouse. Some, uh, uh, some friends of ours think that's a really kind of gay name, but whatever <laughs> we call, we call it a house. Um, uh, another friend of mine called it a barn dominium. It's just, a, you know, it's just a, a shed that's got a built out interior. Right. Uh, okay. Um, so he wants to see who's coming and going for the contractors all the time. Oh, so yeah. we, we have, we just have it set up on the road 
And uh, thankfully, my dad's not a big hunter. He set it up where like a trail crosses the road and we'll, we'll get deer tracks on the, on the driveway every now and then. But um, the other night I haven't checked weather, but I got a bobcat, uh, two does and two, two bucks. And one of them was like a 10 point. That's probably in like that one, maybe brushing 140, that 130 to 140. And he's standing in the driveway at 2 a.m. I'll put a stand up right there, man. I know, know, right? You're coming through the daylight. Get lucky. Dude, I, uh, <laughs> my my uncle is pretty... use driveways. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> right over there is is. I mean, we can't we can't do mineral sites in Wisconsin, but I mean, oh, is is yeah. is driveway salt a mineral site? I I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, <laughs> nah, the uh, my uncle who's. I, I will admit is a fairly, he used to be a really big hunter. Now he'll say I'm fat, old and lazy. I don't want to go far. He hunted that trail. Cause it goes into a small, um, like a 10 acre cornfield just crosses the driveway. Um, and it's the only reason that the, the deer use it is cause there's a strip of trees that runs parallel to our driveway and it can, and then we, it hits the main road. And then there's another strip of trees on the other side that separates two fields. So the deer will run up that tree line cross and then come in on our tree line and yeah. then drop into the, like a 10 acre, 15 acre cornfield at, at night feed there and then drop down into our Valley and go bed. Um, and he hunted that for gun season, like, I don't know, four or five, six times. He never saw a deer, but he was always, <laughs> he was always hoping that he was going to catch one. I, I was excited. hoping you were going to say he shot a, like a big 150s. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't see a deer. Um, he, he said he had one guy. Started to hunt by the road and on their driveways. And, oh yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, he was probably like a hundred yards, maybe, maybe a hundred yards from the road. Nice. you know, and probably 10 yards from the driveway <laughs> on a bucket, <laughs> you know, um, he had, he is funny. He had one guy, he was all pissed off. Cause he had one guy drive slowly drive and look out at the neighbor's property. And, uh, and then he said he could see him through his binos. He was looking at the neighbors cause he thought he was looking at him. Right. Yeah. Looking at the neighbors, looking at the neighbors. And then he puts it in reverse and starts backing up and then looks over and sees my uncle and then goes right up to the tree line and parks his truck and gets out. <laughs> my <laughs> uncle was like, "You?" Oh, geez. <laughs> he knew what the he knew he knew the goal there. Oh, um, yeah. But all right, so that's that's that question. Um, we're gonna tackle. There's a hunting small properties. We're gonna tackle that one later. Um, hunting bucks in low buck to doe areas. That one's not necessarily food plots or I'm sorry, not necessarily late season. Um, I, that's a pretty big topic. Um, yeah. And do you I have, do you have a quick thought on that one? I would say, you know, if, if you have, uh, you're, you're talking low bucks, low buck to doe ratio. So lower bucks than your doe ratio. Probably like, yeah, maybe like one buck to three does or something like yeah. that. Um, I mean, whenever there's an abundance of, of does, it just, I mean, in general, I, what comes off the top of my head, you know, for, for guys that, you know, want to know, I guess, want to think about um, hunting them 
uh, you know, hunting during the rut specifically, if there's a lot of does, it's going to be really easy for those bucks to, to breed. It's just going to be easier for them because they're, they have more access. There's an abundance of does. They might have more bedding areas to tap into. They don't have to move as much. So you may not see them as much because they don't have to move as much. So I just feel, uh, you know, if there's, you've got a ton of does, which is kind of a, an issue that we have on our Michigan piece. I mean, I've counted 70 deer in this bean field and I would say probably close to 75, 80% of them were, were does. Um, it's just really, really easy for those bucks to breed during the rut and you may not see them because of it. You know, they'll just go to bed, they'll get up, you know, find a doe, breed it, and then go back down into their safe haven. Right. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen that happen in the distance where, you know, a buck is bedded in a ditch and he'll come up out of that ditch, he'll breed a doe and then he'll go right back down and then he'll just keep doing that all evening. Um, and he just kind of stayed in that one little spot. So yeah, when I, when I hear that, you know, low buck to, to doe ratio, that's what I think of. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I totally agree. Like during the rut is probably a, your odds aren't as high as other people's that have like a one-to-one or even like a two-to-one, two bucks to one doe. Um, just because like you saying, they don't have to go anywhere. You know, if you have 10 girls living in your house and they're all, they all like you Yep. going to the bar, man, you don't need to, you don't need to go to the bar. No. <laughs> right. No. Exactly. You got them all right there in the house. You can just do what you what want. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I, I think for those, for those scenarios, you're looking at early season when you're targeting food in late season. Cause those bucks yeah. they'll, they'll herd right up with those does and they'll move into those food plots and those ag fields and everything. So I think now if, if you have that now is the time that you're going to, that you're hopefully going to get that opportunity. Cause uh, unless you can find that house and you can get close to it, you can find that core bedding or that that buck is liking and using and settled in that night. Right. You know, that's what you got to get lucky with. Um, or like, or like I said, just try to hunt them early on food and late on food. Um, or the other thing is, is, is try to kill a lot of does. I don't know if that's possible in your state, but man, yeah. start filling those doe tags. No, actually we're, Michigan is like well behind on our, our doe quota. I've heard like, because of the amount of hunters this year that we've done a better job, but um we need to take out more does as a state overall and my property specifically, I don't think we could probably shoot 10 does this year and we wouldn't make a dent. I mean, the, <laughs> the, 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 the was great about that Michigan lease is I, I could see deer every sit. It's not a boring property. I'll see deer nice. every sit and it's great. It's just, you know, it's, it's the, the, the bucks and they're hard, they're hard to hunt. And especially during the rut because of that abundance, they're just yeah. everywhere. And plus yep. those, those old does, man, sometimes they're harder to fool than those, those bucks. For sure. For sure. I have a friend with a very similar property. He used to hunt, he had access to a, a, a real premium property. Um, it was a thousand acres. And, and the only rule was that during gun season, you can't, you can't shoot a doe. You can only shoot bucks and it has to be something you're going to mount. Uh -huh. So, I mean, one day, 
I think he sent me a Snapchat of, of the deer all day. And he's like, I counted 76 does in one small eight, you know, like in a, in a sit in one day during gun season, when deer are not supposed to be like active. Right. Um, But yeah. So, I mean, like, like you said, it's in those scenarios, like they just don't got to go anywhere. They don't got to do anything. Yeah. Um, Next question, which is kind of more of a, of a topic, but um, what can you do late season that you can't do like early or early season or during the rut. And one of those, and he, he threw an example in there, like hike across a a frozen swamp. So you can like, that's something you can now do. Right. Um, Another big one is easily track deer in the snow. You know, you easily get that track down. Um, That's just off top. I had anything, anything you got there. Um. I mean, I, I just, you, you mentioned tracking. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, with the snow, um, it certainly, certainly helps, uh, you know, I ha- especially, you know, when you have, um, cause I, I'll, I don't know where, how the snow's like right now for you guys, but over here, it's like intermittent. You know, it goes from, okay, we're, we're getting a lot of snow and then it just melts away. Um, definitely when you have, you have a fresh, you know, coat of snow on the ground, it helps with, with tracking and then also scouting, you know, it makes it, I feel like it makes it easier. Um, early season, you have like a lot of, uh, you know, vegetation, you've got a lot of leaves on, on the trees. There's really not a whole lot of sign you know, late season now, you can kind of see those rubs just pop out from, you know, 60 yards away. Yeah. You know, the, the, the trails, the tracks are more defined. Um, you know, those scrapes are, you can definitely, you could see them, like I said, from a long ways away. So I would say something in late season now that you didn't have before earlier in the season is that ability to scout quicker and maybe identify yeah. that sign um, a lot um but yeah okay no that, that is a great point all the sign all the where, where they're feeding where they're where they're making rubs where those scrapes are what actual trails they're using that's one of the hardest things is like early season everything's so grown up you're like are you actually using this or not <laughs> yeah you know, in late season, you know, a sign yet. You know, they still got their velvet. They they're not rubbing yet, and you, mm-hmm. you, know, you can't quite uh, you know identify you know where the deer are moving through it, it, uh, unless you know it's it's uh, near a food source and there's a uh, you know heavily you know used trail and you've got deer droppings and what have you. That's you know usually what what you're looking for, but in that late season, like I said, those, those rubs you see on the trees in the woods are just like, you'll be walking through and, and just scanning woods and you just see that, you know, it you could be it, yeah. 60, 70 yards away and it sticks out. Like a I think thing. every, yeah. Anyone who's, who's spent any time in the late season would knows, knows exactly what you're saying. It's just like, yes. oh, there, oh, there it is. <laughs> Boom. Yep. Yep. And especially those big ones that get you real excited. Yep. Um, <laughs> All right. There's a few more on here, but I'm just going to, I, the other couple are topics. So, um, hunting the big woods in hill country in the late season with no crops or food plots. I think to, 
to your point earlier, it's finding the natural, the natural food sources and putting in the scouting. Like you got to You got to go look. And if, it, if the, if after, you know, after you get a snow um, or even without snow, go out, have a scout, you know, for four or five, six hours and go look, examine everything. If the deer are there, they're there. If they're not, you got to go to a new property. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, we kind of hit that one already. Any other thoughts there or no? I'm not, I'd say we, we touched on that pretty good. Okay. Another one's after ski after season scouting um, tips and checklists and things like that. That's, that's going to, I'm going to do, that's going to be a whole podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. You sure. spend quite a bit of time on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a big one. Um, this other one that I want to get to is thoughts on grunting or calling in the late season. What do you got? Man, I, <clears throat> in Michigan, I don't know, calling to deer after, you know, going through an entire bow season and then a gun season and essentially a second gun season that was put into place this year. I mean, you're calling to some pretty pressured deer. So I think, I think you just, you got to be careful with that. I don't know how realistic it is to, to grunt in a deer at this point. Um, you know, it's not, things have changed. Um, not to say that they, they, you know, might not respond or get curious, but, um, I think things are very, at this point in the season are very different than what it is like during the rut in November when bucks are just more territorial. Uh, they've got, you know, a lot of testosterone, they're aggressive. I just think, especially bucks become just a little bit more docile during the late season. They get a little bit more focused on food, sleep, staying away from humans. Not <laughs> so, dying. <laughs> I, yeah, not dying, surviving. You know, I don't right. think, yeah. I don't think um, you know, I at least I haven't had that that type of success um calling to deer during the late season. Now, I don't know if I were to try something, I'd, I might, you know, try and bleat at a, at a buck, you know, instead of grunting as, yeah. you know, I wouldn't try and rattle, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think call, aggressive calling would be a good tactic right now, but definitely trying something that's more I guess inviting if you tried to to do a doe bleat and get them interested in coming in and figuring out which doe that was. Yeah. Might try that. Yeah. No, that's a great point. A lot of people only think about grunting and rattling, but a doe bleat could definitely be like more of a passive kind of like, you know, not so aggressive. It's just like, hey, I'm over here type of thing. I don't even know what a doe bleat says. Honestly, I don't call a lot. I um, uh I, I, I heard this one time from Tom Nelson. Do you know who Tom Nelson is? He's, um, he, he's got a show. Um, it's, uh, oh my gosh. I think it's American bow hunter. Yes. Uh, okay. That's, I was thinking about that and that yeah. I thought it was American bow hunter and that guy. And then I was also thinking, well, I know Tom Miranda, but yeah, yes. Tom yeah. Nelson is American bow hunter. Anyway, what did, what did he say? Well, he, I mean, he's, he, and, th- and this is more like 
he was the context of the conversation was more about the rut and calling to Michigan bucks and pressured bucks. Um, but I think if we're just talking on the subject of calling in general, you know, he almost leads with bleeding and it's like a, it's just like a, just a really soft kind of like high pitch. I don't know. I, I could make it for you. I'll, I'll, I'll try a dough bleed here. All right. Like a air. Yeah. Something like that. I've sure. I've done that. I've called deer in, and he swears by it. Um, he's called in bucks that way because uh, they just get curious. I kind of lead with that as opposed to, you know, rattling, uh, sure. where, you know, you're you don't really know what kind of buck you're you're calling to. Uh-huh. Uh, if you see him, it could be a passive buck that doesn't want to come in. Um, you know, so bleeding is something that's worked for him quite a bit i i started using that and it's been it's worked for me i've been able to call in uh, a few bucks using a adobe eat okay cool i have not um but i do have a friend who swears by it as well yeah <laughs> um so i'm just i yeah it's just not i couldn't i couldn't give you a reason why i don't do it i just i just don't do it um yeah. I will say that my thought on that for, for calling in the late season is if you're experiencing and you're seeing, and there's like active kind of second rut shit going on in front of you and there is like a hot doe and there's bucks chasing her, then yeah, give her, give her a, a, give them a grunt and see what happens. Generally. I mean, we're, we're already past the second rut for sure. in like early December, which is what's around Wisconsin, but I have seen on trail camera, um on video like almost like a third rut in early january i have seen deer still chasing does um, i had i had last year i had a doe on camera with three bucks burning rubber after in like mid-january so um so i i mean it still is possible that that can come into play so if you are seeing any sort of like chasing or rut activity or anything then, then those deer are a little bit more aggressive and you might be able to call one in say, you know, they're at 60 yards and they're on the path with that doe and you can call them to, to 40 or 30, like that might be super effective, but those are very, very rare circumstances. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's, that's it. There were two other questions here. One was to discuss, um, a guy wanted me to talk about the difference between let them, let them go, let them grow to shoot what makes you happy, which is kind of a, a very hot topic. DMA and the national deer Alliance are changing their thought process for, and if that's like bullshit or what, um, but that's, that's a, that's, that's a long topic. The other one was um, basic techniques for finding sheds. That is also a long topic. Um, that's going to be a whole podcast is how to find sheds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to those guys who asked those questions, um, I appreciate it. And my, we will, I will get to them. I just not on this podcast. We're already close to an hour and a half anyway. Um, I'm sure we've lost some people cause we're just talking about cool sh- random shit, but, uh, nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong, <laughs> right? with, nothing wrong with talking about deer hunt. I could do it all night, man. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I kind of have a general rule of thumb. Like I like to keep it around an hour and a half or less. Between an hour and an hour and a half seems to be what these run to really like dive into and get into like 
good topics and good depth of a conversation, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. cause it's yeah. honestly, you, you and I like play this game of like feeling each other out for the, like the first 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. We do both kind of have an idea as to what the fuck we're talking about. And then we like move forward with the conversation. I yeah. feel like that's how it always goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, those are the other questions. We'll get to those. So to wrap this up, uh, John, can you can you reiterate again where people can find you if they want to learn more? And and John is definitely open to. Uh, I just DM'd him on Instagram and he actually responded. So so fill his inbox. <laughs> yeah yeah um you can uh yeah you can find uh our instagram handles diehard.bowhunter uh, we're on facebook uh we got a youtube channel diehard bowhunter um and then yeah uh i you know obviously you can always hit me up if you if there's any any of your listeners have questions um certainly shoot us a dm and you know we're we're open to talking deer all the time i appreciate you having me on seriously thanks for, for yeah. the invite this was this was a lot of fun you know, might uh, I I've haven't done a podcast yet, so this is my first one. I felt uh, uh, it was a good experience and kind of inspiring. So, <laughs> yeah, cool, dude, it, cool. Man. I'm glad to pop your cherry, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, well, I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit end record, but but you can stay on here for a little bit minute for a few minutes. We'll just chat a little bit more. But uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, appreciate it. Again, if you enjoyed this podcast, as always, please leave, leave me a review. Really helps to, to help me climb up that ladder and, and, and let people be able to search it a lot easier and find it a lot easier. Um, so thank you there. I appreciate that. And also find me on Instagram because before these podcasts, kind of every week, I'll be throwing, I'll be trying to hit up um, you guys for questions. And then the next week, you'll hear your questions answered on the podcast. And I think it's a cool way to just like get people more interactive and everything. And, and rather than me picking what to talk about, just like myself, um, you know, we'll have, we'll have that content, but then we'll also have some questions from, from you guys as well. All right. Thanks everyone.